time that you've given us to come before you, and we just thank you again for your presence. We thank you for your calming presence. That is what we really need right now. When we have so much going on where we're so busy and there's so much activity, thank you for just this time where we can rest in you. We do pray for the uh, speech that takes place, that it does edify you and that it comes from you. And we thank you, Lord, for how you teach us even in these moments and give us peace and reflection. We do ask that you remember our friend Russ and we pray for him for healing right now as well in the hospital. Pray that you will touch his body and give him comfort. Lord, we know he is resting right now by sleeping a lot, which is good. But we pray that you'll just continue to heal him. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing lesson number two. God, do you care? This is the content of our lesson from Missing Pieces by Jennifer Rothschild. She is a um, great lady. And I meant to mention to my, my wife that she's also a Georgia Bulldog fan, which is you can't go wrong if you're that. If you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you've got it all going on right there. Okay. So what we're going to do, yeah, this is a new lesson. Do you guys have a copy of the new lesson? Okay. So we are going to continue in this lesson, and we're going to be spending all of our time in this particular lesson in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. You can go ahead and turn to that, um, but the content is going to be based upon this particular passage. And the question that's being asked here for lesson two is, do you not care? And we're talking about God caring or experiencing his care in the midst of difficulty. So God, do you not care? Or do you not care is the phrase here. Now notice how it's saying, God, do you not care? And there's a reason why the question is asked that way. Words do mean things. We want to make sure that we are uh, looking at it accurately. So let me get to that part. So, well, I hope you don't get seasick today because we're heading out to the Sea of Galilee. Um, well, I probably would get seasick, uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll muddle through. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. On that day when evening had come, he told them, he told them being Jesus, had told them, the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And asked one another, who then is this, even the wind and the sea, obey him. So that's the whole passage in its entirety. Now we're going to unpack this passage with this particular lesson. Because we're going to go almost line by line and look at the material. And look at the thinking 
that's taking place here in this passage because there's a lot of deep thought within this that is required to understand what's going on here. So it says, the story of Mark 4 will help us answer the question of God's care for us. And this is what we're trying to explore. And as a reminder, um, as you are experiencing counseling with other people, you're going to have people speak to you about how much God cares about them, what God cares about, you know, I, you know, he has more important things to worry about than me, stuff like that. You're going to hear conversation like that. And that's, of course, a lie from Satan. But you can't go back and tell the person, well, that's a lie from Satan, because then now you're questioning their intelligence. You need to understand that people have to be given logical conclusions to help them to form their train of thought as to what is actually occurring in their life. And it's tough to counsel people when they're going through struggles. You know, the people that we know, like I mentioned Russ and the family members, you know, you're talking to two people, two different people, a father-in-law and the son. Father-in-law and a son have cancer. And so the wife of both of them they're going through a ringer because of all what's been experienced. And for you to counsel them, you have to be very gentle, very loving, very courteous, very understanding, very sympathetic, and also very humble. Because you always have to remember there, but for the grace of God, go I. Because that is exactly how we are to counsel anyone like this. So when someone says, God, uh, God, do you not care? You know the answer is yes, he does care, but you've got to unpack why he cares. And it may take more than one conversation to do that. So let's look at this. Getting back to the lesson. Who initiated the crossing of the Sea of Galilee in Mark 4.35? Was it the disciples or Jesus? Jesus did. Jesus is the one that said, let's go cross over to the other side of the sea. He was telling them. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Do you think Jesus knew a storm would erupt while they were on their voyage? Yes. Of course he did. He knows all about weather. You know, we talk about weather, all the active weather going on right now. You know, it was so quiet, and all of a sudden, we get in August and September, and now we've got this active weather, which is this time of year. We see hurricane activity. We've got these, I forget what they're called, they're little, little impressions in the, in the air, and then they turn into tropical storms, and you've got the hurricanes. Of course, God knows all about all of this activity that's taking place. If Jesus knew there would be a storm, why do you think he would send them into such a scary dangerous situation now that question does have an answer you want to take a crack at it a test a test for faith a teachable moment all of those are accurate answers by the way test for faith a teachable moment remember the disciples i don't want to they were human beings just like us but they had to learn who this man, Jesus, was. They had no idea. All they knew is that this guy was a celebrity. He was popular. 
he had crowds forming wherever he went. He was a celebrity. I mean, that's really, if you look at for what it's worth, for what they were exposed to, no one was bringing in crowds like he was and following him around. Okay. The NIV wording of the verse 36 reports the condition of Christ when they enter the boat as just as he was. I didn't read from the NIV version, but that's the version that's rendered in NIV verse 36. Just as he was. Remember the words just as he was. Just as he was. Mark was probably referring to Jesus' status at the time. They took him with them just as he was. They're all getting in the boat together. Just as he was. In other words, he didn't change clothes or grab a sandwich before boarding the vessel. But think of that phrase in a broader sense. God is compassionate. Do you take him just as he is? Do you take God for who he is, even if he expresses his care in a confusing way? And that's what we need to see here, because you're going to see a confusing way take place in how he expresses his care. Have you ever tried to change God into what you what you want him to be like? Absolutely. Have you ever, let me read that question again. Have you ever tried to change God into what you want him to be like? Everyone in this room should say yes. Because you want God to do what? Be someone who's compassionate, someone who is loving, someone who's caring. And he is all those things. But now we try and take it and also fit in and try to add in our own personal feelings with that. So, yes, we have all done that. We will do that, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work. It doesn't mean that it's going to be effective. It may lead more to disappointment than it does to actually making you feel better. First of all, God wants to have a relationship with you. Amen? Okay, so we got that part. But we also need to understand that the relationship is not a one-sided relationship where he is going to be everything you want him to be. A relationship requires two different interactions or more. Relationships are like that. In other words, you can't have a friend and tell your friend everything that your friend's supposed to do to make it an effective relationship. Well, what about the friend? So we need to understand that there has to be some sort of understanding within that relationship. Circle the image that best depicts what or you, who you expect God to be in your life. Now, now look at these examples. Now, this is a hypothetical or maybe it's not a hypothetical. Do you want him to be your servant, a boss? A magic genie. Notice not just genie. We've used the word genie before. We Magic genie. Magic genie like I dream of genie, genie. Where you snap your fingers and stuff just starts happening. That show is always fascinating to me. Um, you just snap your fingers and you hear this sound and something appears or disappears. 
Well, is God a magic genie? Is he a best friend? Is he a father? Or there's an other there where you can put something down that fits your way of thinking. Now, it says circle the image that best depicts what or who you got, expect God to be in your life. You can do that on your own time. Okay? Because we need to look at those words and understand what they represent and what they mean. If God is your servant, you probably don't have a very good view of who God really is. Let's just, I'll just throw it out there for the sake of discussion. Often we feel real disappointment with God because we are unwilling to take him just as he is. Until we do, we will be frustrated with our faith. Amen? That is what this is about. Understanding God for who he really is. Now, here's the thing. We as believers, many of us have been believers for a long time. Amen? And guess what? You're still learning about who God really is. It's still a learning process. And that's why we're having this class. Because we can still have conversations about uh, what is appropriate as far as a biblical interpretation, all that good stuff. And, you know, this verse means this and this verse means that. But until you get your understanding together about who God really is, that stuff really doesn't mean a whole lot. Because it needs that additional information about who God truly is. If you're frustrated with your faith, I could talk to you about Bible verses all day long. It's not going to matter. You can counsel somebody and disciple them all day long, but if they have a a tough relationship with the Lord right now, it's not going to matter a whole lot. Don't start firing off Bible verses to someone who needs counseling. It's not going to matter, just as it doesn't matter for us if we're struggling. And I'm hoping that through this discussion, you will see how important it is for you to remain compassionate and patient and listen. Oh, my goodness. Listening. Listening is one of the most important aspects of communication. It's what they teach you in college. It's not all the words you can say. You know, when you're really sucking up to a teacher, you start writing down all kinds of stuff on a piece of paper showing how much you think you know. Or you start talking to someone and you just have all these words coming out of your mouth. You are the, the king of verbatim. But the best possible thing you can do is listen to the other person. That's part of communication. Being a good listener. We have a lot of very poor listeners. Yeah, 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 I get that. But here's what you should be doing. You're not listening. Pardon me? And your advice can be terrible. That's right. Because you're a poor listener. Yes. That's right. Then start talking to them when they're open. Start putting verses yeah. in there. Whether or not you, you start firing off, yeah, that's all you Christians do. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then they just they shut you down. No. Shut, down. Shut, shut God down and everything else. Understand something. While you're talking and being compassionate and listening, 
Don't think for a moment the Holy Spirit is not there with you. If you are truly leaning on the Spirit, the Spirit knows exactly how to reach that other person. But you have to have the proper words to keep that person open for the Spirit's teaching. Okay. Very good points. Have you felt, how have you felt disappointed with God just as he is? Now, this is a legitimate question. Because if he's just as he is, that means he may not be the way you want him to be. And that may open up and lead to disappointment. Now, this is about you guys being honest with yourselves. I am not going to tell you how to respond to this lesson or any other lesson that we do. But this is about your personal honesty when you sit in the room by yourself or you're having a conversation with your spouse or if you're sitting there and you're praying to yourself, to the Lord about the kind of relationship you have with him, you can be disappointed. But you need to know where to go with that disappointment. Because just like we said, what? It's a test of faith, a teachable moment. We have those all the time. In verse 37, Mark tells us a storm erupted when they were well into their journey. Take note again of verse 38. Jesus was asleep on a cushion lying in the stern. When a storm rages, we don't like to think of our God as sleeping through it. If you were in the boat, what would you have preferred Jesus to do? Well, if you were in the boat... With them, you'd prefer Jesus to be up there on the top and, and with you while you, you know, were freaking out and wondering what was going on. Maybe you want him to be wide awake, of course. But here he's sleeping. He's resting. We sometimes want to picture or even prefer Jesus to do something that would make us feel like he cared. Here he slept. Note that word feel. Emotions are very powerful. I mean, that's how we're created. We are created, created as emotional beings. And sometimes we have to understand that we have feelings that get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen? I don't know if everybody was into that. <laughs> Sometimes our feelings, how we feel, get in the way of our relationship with him. So let's keep that in mind as we go forward because we're not going to leave that just laying out there. We're going to deal with that. Are we willing to take him just as he is? The disciples weren't. Go back to verse 38. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? I don't know if they said it in unison. <laughs> if, they, if all of them just said it at the same time, or if some of them said it and all of them fought it, I don't know, but that's what they, that's what they all felt like they were going to die. His frightened followers did not ask, now check this out. He didn't ask, do you care? 
Instead, they asked, do you not care? That's two different questions coming from a different attitude than just asking, do you care? Do you not care? To ask Jesus, do, now this is, this is why I was going to say this is a very deep discussion. Stay with me here. This is important for you to see. To ask Jesus, do you care, is to inquire. Inquire is to simply ask a question. Do you care? And it typically is going to be a yes or a no answer. Amen? Amen? Stay with me. Okay. But to ask, don't you care, is an accusation hidden in the form of a question. I have that bold deliberately. It's an accusation hidden within the form of a question. Two different approaches. Two different attitudes. The key word is not. Don't you care? Do you see and hear the difference? There is a clear difference. The words below describe the actions of inquirers and of accusers. Now this part I do want you to do. Place an A by words that describe the actions of an accuser and I beside the words that befit the actions of an inquirer. So those are the words there, and I have little boxes next to those words. You put an A in there where you think there's an accusation and an I where you believe it is an inquirer. And I see some of you writing right now and some of you eating your donuts and some of you staring at the paper. That's fine. All right, who wants to share? Are we done for those who are writing or you're still thinking? All right, let's take a crack at it. The first word, seek. Is that an I or an A word? That's an I word. You genuinely are seeking, you know, that's one of the Matthew 7, 7. Seek and you will find. Okay. Judge. What's that? That's an A. That's accusation. That's a judgment. You're making a judgment. Ask. Which is, what is ask? That's an I word because I gave it away. I said, Matthew, ask and... Matthew 7, 7. Wonder. What's wonder? That's an I word. Very good. Condemn. What is that? That's an easy one. Criticize. What is that? A. That's a, you're criticizing. Request. What is that? That's an I word. And what is assume? That's an A word. That's right. Yes. Okay. On that side of the foot table, and also accusation. And that wandering can lead you. So I kind of slash those two. Okay. Because you really, depending on your thought pattern, you could be doing yeah. both of those 
Well, well, the, Okay. All right. And then I can also make an assumption mm-hmm. on a, a positive aspect or an aggravation side of that. Okay. So, well, that that's that's good. No, that this is good discussion. I will say to you that we're going to do a lot of we're going to go through this lesson and to do talk about these assumptions or assuming things. And. I will not repeat it here, but there's an old saying about assumptions and assume, the word assume, that you guys have heard out in public, that you know, I'm not going to say that here, but you already know where I'm going with that. Because ultimately, what it, what it means is that it usually has a negative connotation to it. And the wonder aspect of it can be have a positive aspect to it as well, too. But I understand Pearl's point. But let's get into this a little bit more deeply. We're still unpacking this. We're just getting started, okay? Can you identify if someone accuses you in the form of a question, how does it feel? No. It's an accusation. That's what, when the disciples were talking back to Jesus, that was an accusation, do you not care? That was, a, that was an attack. It wasn't necessarily like a you know, blatant attack, but it was, a, it was a statement that's like, don't you care? Why did you steal my watch? Yeah. Well, that's true, too. That's an assumed, too. Stole the watch. That's right. That's right. Okay. Very good. All right, so now we're going to play a game. This is Jeopardy. I said it just like the guy on TV, too, didn't I? Now, for those of you who understand the game Jeopardy, without, you know, they don't even talk about the rules of the game anymore. That game's been around forever. When Art Fleming used to be the host, and you go way back when, before Alex Trebek even was that, it was a great game, on show, on, game show on TV, and it's still out on TV now, and Alex Trebek is like 99 years old or something like that. So the answer is Jesus' words to his frightened disciples on the Sea of Galilee after the storm passed. The question, look at verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Those were his words in response to that question. Jesus, don't you care. Jesus is making a direct correlation here with overcoming fear and your level of faith. No faith means that fear will win. Amen? No faith means that fear will win. You lose. That's what Jesus is saying directly to the disciples. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Those are very specific words. Words mean things. That's why it's very important for us. I'll I'll just tell you flat out. Sometimes get a dictionary. If you don't know what a word means, look it up. Look it up. 
I mean, it has a meaning to it. Many words have multiple definitions within their writing if you open up a dictionary. But words mean things. And when you put words together like this, do you have no faith? Do you still have no faith? That means that the, 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 the statement was being made by Jesus who knows everything. They were lacking in faith before and they're still lacking in faith now. If they have any. Remember where the disciples were coming from. What was Jesus doing? He was teaching the multitudes. People were responding to his words. People were getting an understanding of who he was, and they were saying, I want to follow Jesus because of his very words. The disciples are watching all this. So it's not like they don't have history with Jesus. Of course they have history. And yet, in this particular instance, they all thought they were going to die, even though they were on the boat with Jesus, and they showed a lack of faith. A teachable moment, for sure. And you know why? Here's the thing. You have to understand something. We can watch folks jumping up and down in church and, and, and praising the Lord and, and truly having a one-on-one relationship with the Lord where they are just experiencing Him and experiencing what it is for Him to love them. And we can watch on the sidelines and say, oh, they're crazy. And you know that ain't right. And so when it comes time when something hits you, you oh, the Lord, help me, Jesus. You had your hand up? It's a good question. What are they lacking faith in? Who wants to take a crack at it? The lack of faith is what they were talking about. What are they lacking of faith in? Go ahead, I'm sorry. You, go ahead, uh, Faith. You were sent. You mean the disciples asking the question, "Do you not care?" Yeah, it does make sense. It's the, it's the type of question they're asking. Jesus' response immediately, when he, this is after verse 39, where he told the wind and, the, and, the, and everything to cease. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Yeah. Have you been paying attention? Yeah. That's right. Now remember, remember what we said when we first started, Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. He knew that this was going to be an opportunity to teach them. There's no surprises here. Okay, I'm going to get you and I'll come over here. Come over here. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's right. And what we're, what we're being challenged to understand is that your relationship with the Lord 
can get better. There's always room for improvement. Go ahead. Um, He's still teaching. That's right. <laughs> you could be the, no, no. Look, we are not saying the disciples are a bunch of oafs or buffoons or idiots or nothing like that. They're human beings. They're just like us. They're 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 seeing all this stuff going on around. Look, we are we really much different? We see stuff going on around us all the time. We've we've seen. What happens? We, we know what people, we know when people are getting saved. We know when people are being healed miraculously by the Lord. We've seen these things, but it's not us experiencing it. So we are only, we're eyewitnesses, but we're really tested. When are we really tested? When stuff happens to us. When there's trouble, there's difficulty, there's all, we are tested at that point. And understand something, that's fine. That's how we are taught. Sometimes we have to learn that way. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, he was, don't forget he was sleeping too. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah, Mark's holding his glasses up. He's like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Great point. When we get ruffled, we get amnesia. Amen? Amen? When we get ruffled, we get amnesia. We're supposed to be very smart, right? We get really dumb. Yeah. We go, we're going, he's not the first one. Did everybody catch that? He's not the first one we go to. We are usually running to everybody else when there's trouble. Now, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are expressing these things because this is really honest and good stuff. This is stuff we need to understand. And for those of us who have it all together, okay, amen, where you know, nothing really happens to us. Whatever, right? When we're counseling other people, you've got to understand something. They're ruffled. They don't have, they're not looking to the Lord as their source sometimes to, to take away this misunderstanding or understanding they have about who the Lord is. You have to help them with that. You've got to help them by being courteous, patient, and humble. You were going to say something? Go ahead. That's right.
and it just shows you that even the best of folks that are exposed to Jesus that close can totally fall off the chart or have the wheels mm-hmm. fall off for them. So it's like when you're counseling another believer, you're looking at them like, I know you're a believer. You've been a believer for 20 years. Why are you acting like somebody that's never met Jesus? But remember, when mm-hmm. it's a wheel for you, it's one thing to apply God's yeah. word to someone else. Yeah. You should believe God for this one. You have to believe God for it. it can, you realize how hard that can actually be. Absolutely. And a lot of circumstances. That's right. Can't remember. You just forget. And it's not like it ain't there. It's there. But it's being blocked. Maybe he won't do it. That's right. Exactly right. I'm glad. You, go ahead. I'm sorry. Amen. Amen. Yep. It may be. It may be just as simple as that. That's right. No faith means that fear will win. Amen? Faith in Jesus, whether it is a little, just like that mustard seed thing we just talked about, you just mentioned in in the same chapter, or a lot, will press downward on your fear. Any measure of faith will press downward on the fear. And that's the way we have to think. Because nothing else is going to overcome that fear except faith that Jesus is going to deliver you. Deliverance. So here's a challenge for each one of us. How do we face our fears and where is our level of faith in Jesus? Do you trust him to be sufficient? And that's what we have to look at. Sufficiency. Now, Anne Graham Lotz, who's the sister of uh, Franklin Graham, she just said that she has cancer and revealed it publicly and asked everyone to pray for her. I don't know if you heard that or not. This was recent. And, you know, she's dealing with something very personal. Now, here's a woman who does what? Encourages other people all the time. Now, she's got cancer and is asking for prayers. So, where do you think her faith is? We can't really talk about that because that's her experience with the Lord. But I'll challenge you that she's a lot further along than a lot of us sometimes when it comes to where we look to the Lord, just based upon her lineage, okay? That's Billy Graham lineage. Yes. Yeah. It can, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. That's right. Russ, the person we prayed about, we actually had a conversation at a party at Brent's house before the surgery. And the conversation was such that he could either, because he was talking to me, and it was private, I don't think he would mind me sharing this, ultimately he said, I can either just go through this chemo thing, but I have the option of just going in and taking it out. And he said, you know what? It's going to give me some more time if I do that, rather than going through all this other stuff. And he was okay with that, because he understood exactly what you were saying. It's like, ultimately, it's going to give me more time with my family if I'm able to do this, have the surgery, go ahead with it. He has a relationship with the Lord. Having a relationship with the Lord makes you a clearer thinker. He will give you insight through the Spirit. And it turns out it was a good decision. And so, no regrets. Now, yes, he has an infection now, but all surgery is risky. Has a risk to it. But ultimately, it comes down to what it says right here. Look at the beautiful words of the hymn. It is well with my soul. You know, this song is supposed to be, frankly, a goal for all of us. When we are talking about our relationship with Lord Jesus Christ, we're talking about not just God doing whatever we want, he, we, he wants, you know, we want him to do for us. He is sufficient who he is right now. And what does sufficient mean? Sufficient may not mean that your wishes and desires are taken care of. Sufficient means he's enough. So you see the words of that song. That's a good stopping point for today because we'll pick up with the rest of this. But we're going to talk about assumptions and about fear of dying and all these things next time we get back together. You've already got the lesson in front of you so you can look, at, look ahead if you want to. But we'll discuss that more in depth. But those words, it is well with my soul. That should be our approach on a daily basis. Amen? Because you recognize what Jesus has done for you and that you know that Satan is going to give you stuff to deal with, but Christ is more powerful than that. So, Make a note, look at these words, repeat them to yourself. And those of you who know the song itself, you can even sing it to yourself as well too. But that song is really where we should be and what we should be looking for as far as our total understanding of who God is and Him being sufficient and you making the declaration, it is well with my soul. When we first had the conversation and discussion about the prophets, even though there was calamity all around them, they came back and said, it is well with my soul. That's where we need to keep heading. That's where we need to keep looking. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to understand where we're going with this study.
what you're trying to teach us. Lord, we appreciate the fact that you're trying to teach us about how you are sufficient for us. And Lord, we want to be helpful to others who are in need of help as well. Helping them to see Christ in the words and things that we are expressing to them. That's what they need to see. Not see us, but see Jesus Christ. Allow the Spirit to work whenever we're talking with someone. We just thank you, Lord. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We will pick up next week.